Amen. Church, let's give God praise this morning for who He is and what He's done. It's, man, I'm so thankful for our worship team and, and how they led us this morning. Hey, listen, if you're brand new, my name's Mark and I'm the lead pastor uh, here. And we're just thankful that you chose to come and worship with us today. Thank you so much for being here. If you are brand new, we have a free gift for you. Uh, all you need to do is fill out your connection card, take it to the welcome area out there in the lobby. We would love to give that to you after service today. Or if you've been coming for a little bit, maybe for some reason or another, I've never got to meet you, shake your hand. I'd love to meet you really quickly after church. I'll be at the welcome area out there in the lobby as well. Hey, I want to mention uh, two things to you very quickly. Number one, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Now, if you have never been baptized, people uh, ask me all the time about baptism. If you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never been baptized, baptism is the first thing Jesus invites us to do once we give our lives to him. If you've never taken that step, next week is your opportunity. You can uh, check the box that says you want to get baptized on the connection card there in the back of your seat. Put it in the offering basket. When it goes around at the end of service, you can sign up on the app. You can let us know at the welcome area. There's all kinds of different ways to let us know you want to be baptized next Sunday. If you have questions about baptism, I'd love to try to help you answer them. You can, uh, I'll be at the welcome area. You can pull me aside, or I'd love to talk to you today about that. But that's next Sunday, and then September the 8th is First Step. First Step is something we do every so often here. It's for anybody brand new to Summit, or if you want to take the step and become a partner uh, member at our church. We call membership partnership. So if you want to take the step and officially make Summit your church, you can do that on Sunday, September the 8th at First Step. First Step takes place at 1045. So between our 930 and 1115 service. So you'll have to come just a little bit early, but at 1045, about 15 or 20 minutes, you learn about our history, our vision, where we're going as a church, and how you can get plugged in and be a part of it. So I want to invite you to do that, but you need to sign up for that as well. You can sign up for that, again, on our app, on our website, or at the welcome area. Same places all the time for sign-ups, all right? But you need to sign up for First Step. Listen, if you've never been there to, uh, to do that, take that step. Love for you to be a part of it, all right? Hey, I'm going to pray for us. We are wrapping up a series called Running. Uh, we, we've been for the past uh, couple of weeks in the book of Jonah. Today, we're wrapping up the book of Jonah. And so I'm going to pray and uh, ask God to just speak to us this morning. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes, let's all... I'll, uh, go to the Lord this morning in prayer. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you are here. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now, God, for anybody that might be in this room and they, and they just came today determined to not get anything out of this, determined to not listen to the music, determined to not listen to anything that I'm about to say, just determined to, to not get anything out of this, walls up on the inside. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would tear down those walls in Jesus' name of pride. I pray that any barrier, Holy Spirit, that's been set up in our hearts and our lives, God, that we've brought in with us this week, that by your power, you would just tear those down. God, the enemy wants to distract us. Maybe even all week, he, he knew this moment was coming. And so all week long, he's, he's been trying to talk us out of coming, and so we came anyway, but, but there's been things that have been stored up in our hearts. Something happened, maybe somebody said something, some kind of disagreement. I don't know what it is, but if the enemy somehow has been able to get into our lives and build some kind of barrier or stronghold that, that God, we're physically here, but we're not here, God, I pray that you just tear that barrier down. 
right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that you would do something over the next few minutes. God, I believe you're already doing things in our, in our lives in this room, Jesus, as we've been worshiping you. I pray that, God, you would do something over the next couple of minutes, Jesus, that makes our lives look more like heaven. Jesus, that your kingdom would come right into our hearts, right into this room. Father, I praise you that this morning, right now, that I am not the only one on this stage. That we are not the only people in this room. That God, you are here. And I love that we sang this morning, perfect love just casts out fear. God, that we're perfectly loved. And that love just drives fear out. So Jesus, would you just drive that fear out? Father, I... I thank you that you're right here with us. God, give me the words to say, Jesus, that it wouldn't be me that we hear or anything like that, but Jesus, that it would be you for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, hey, go ahead and grab your Bible, open it up, uh, turn it on, whatever you need to do to Jonah. Uh, Jonah is a very small book in the back of your Old Testament. It's four chapters. It's really easy to just turn over it, all right? It's a real short book. But Jonah, today we're wrapping it up. And what I want to do is I want to remind us what got us in this in the first place, what got us in this mess, what got Jonah in this mess, is in Jonah chapter 1. It's not, uh, not going to be on the screens, but if you've got a Bible, look at what God does here just to remind us how this all started. Jonah chapter 1. 1 verse 2, God comes to Jonah and he says this, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So don't miss this. God comes to Jonah and says, listen, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell those people that I love them. I want you to tell the people of Nineveh that they can turn from evil and turn to me. And so God comes to Jonah and God tells Jonah, Jonah, I want to partner with you. I want to work alongside of you. I want to work through you, Jonah. I want to partner with you to impact the people of Nineveh. And as soon as Jonah hears that, he's out. As soon as Jonah hears that, he runs away. As soon as Jonah hears this idea that God wants to partner with him, Jonah runs. And have you ever stopped to consider the fact that God wants to partner with you? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, have you ever thought about the, the fact that the God of the universe wants to come alongside of you? He wants to work through you. That the God of the universe who created all things and everything in it, you, me, all of us, that God wants to partner with you. Have you ever thought about that? Because listen, if you have never thought about that, if you have never considered that idea that God wants to partner with me, listen, some y'all need to. We need to consider that God wants to partner with us today because the same call that God gave Jonah is the same call that Jesus gives us. The only difference is that God called Jonah to go to a city and Jesus has called us to go to the world. It's in Matthew chapter 28. I think it might be on the screens here in just a minute. But Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of where? All nations, Jesus says. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And watch this, watch this. Look at this. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Man, we love that last promise, don't we? Don't we love that? Man, we love that last promise that Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us to the end of the age. He's with us at school. He's with us at work. We pray it all the time. Jesus, be with me today. Be with my kids today. We love that promise. But do you notice that that promise comes in the context of you and I being on God's mission? That Jesus is with us as we're on God's mission. Now listen, 
God's with us wherever we go. God is omnipresent. We can't be away from Him. We can't escape from the presence of God. But I'm talking the felt experience of the presence of God. I'm talking you and I knowing in our hearts, man, God is with me. You want to experience God with you? Then be on God's mission. In fact, you might be here today, and you might, you might say, listen, Mark, my walk with God, it's boring, it's dull, it's dry. I just feel like God's not using me. I feel like God's not speaking to me anymore. Mark, what can I do to kickstart my relationship with God? And a lot of people answer that. They'll say, well, you need to read your Bible more. Or, well, you need to pray more. But listen, if that's you, I would just ask you this question. Are you on God's mission? Are you on the mission of God so that the posture of your heart says, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do today, I want to be a part of it. Whatever you're doing at work, I want to be a part of it. If you want me to bless somebody, I'll bless them. If you want me to serve somebody, I'll serve them. You want me to pray with somebody or you want me to tell somebody about you, Jesus? You want me to buy somebody a meal? You want me to do something, Holy Spirit? Whatever you're doing today, I want in on it. So the mission of God is this posture in our hearts. God, wherever I'm at, whatever you're into, I want to be a part of it. I'm in. Is that you? Or is your Christianity just consuming church services? Is your Christianity just consuming praise and worship music? Is it, is it just, maybe you, maybe you read Christian books, just reading a lot of Christian books? You know what the problem is for a lot of Christians? They're stopped up. They're clogged up. A lot of Christians are clogged up. You know what I'm saying? Right? Just clogged up. Here's what I mean by clogged up. You're like, what in the world are you talking about? Here's exactly what I mean. God's given you a lot. You're not giving it away. You know the Bible, you're just not telling anybody about it. God's spoken a lot of things in your life, you're not willing to speak it to anybody else. God's done something in you, listen to me, everything God does in me, it's, it's meant to go through me, not stop with me. Hello? Right? God, God doesn't bless us, work in us, as, alright, that's all I've got. Listen, God wants everything that God's ever told you, everything that he's imparted to you, everything God does in our lives, Summit, God wants it to go through us to other people, not stop with us. So if you're bored with God, are you on God's mission? Because listen, God wants us to be a blessing to the world. And that's what God wanted for Jonah. And Jonah said, I don't want any part of that. I'm out. And so Jonah runs from God. You know this story a lot of us do. The last time we saw Jonah, the last time we saw the prophet Jonah last week, we ended last week in Jonah chapter 2 verse 10. Again, it's not on the screens, but you can look at it in your Bible. Jonah chapter 2 verse 10. We ended last week with Jonah literally being vomited up on the shore of Nineveh. That's how last week ended. The fish goes up to the shore of Nineveh and bleh, and there's Jonah right there. That's all it was, right? I mean, look at it. That's what it says, Jonah 2.10. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Listen, I don't know what kind of week y'all had, but at least a fish didn't, didn't vomit you out, right? Can you imagine that? And, and, and wouldn't you know it, it's just like God. Jonah's trying to get away from Nineveh. Where do you think that fish vomited him out at? Just spit the prophet right out on the shore of Nineveh, right? And so here's Jonah at the end, and look at what happens here. Jonah chapter 3, let's look at it. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. Same thing he said in one two. The great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. 
According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. That just means it's a massive city. It's a really big city is all that means. Jonah began to go into the city, go in a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. In 40 days, God's going to judge Nineveh for their sins is what Jonah says. Verse 5, and the people of Nineveh believed God. Look at that. They called out for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the kings and of his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that's in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent from relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And look at verse 10. We'll stop right here for a moment. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. This is amazing. Jonah goes into Nineveh and thousands of people are saved. Thousands of people turn to God. I mean, the king of Nineveh even calls for this, this huge nationwide fast and prayer meeting. We're going to seek God. We're going to get things right with God. Man, I bet, no, I bet Jonah was pumped, right? I bet Jonah was so fired up. I bet Jonah's taking selfies with everybody that just got saved. You know, I mean, Jonah's a part of this massive work of God. Jonah is part of revival, guys. I mean, this is a work of God. I bet Jonah loves it. Next verse. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, now I love this, I don't know what your prayer life looks like, but go ahead and compare it to our boy Jonah right now. All right, I love this. Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. I love that Jonah says this, I knew you would do this. I knew you loved people, daggone I knew you were good, Dagnabbit. Ah, Jonah is so ticked off that God would love these people. So much so, here's Jonah, verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. Um, just a quick aside, I believe that the prophet Jonah has a flair, Jonah rather, has a flair for the dramatic. You know what I'm saying? God, just kill me now. If you're going to save these losers, I would rather die. Right? I love verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Literally, you'll think I'm joking. Literally, this is what God says to Jonah. Jonah, you good? You good? And the answer is he's not. So God's going to do something. Watch what God does. Jonah went out of the city and sat at the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. So he's going to pout. You know what I'm saying? He's going to go pout. He's going to go have himself a little pity party here. And look at what he does here. He goes out of the city, sits under the shade till he should see what would come, what would become of the city. Because Jonah still wants God to send judgment and literally kill all of the Ninevites. That's what he wanted. He's watching to see if God might take them all out. That's what Jonah wants. 
Next verse, verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed a plant, remember the plant, and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when day came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, here's the question he asked a minute ago. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? Jonah, you good? And then the whole book has led to these two verses. And the Lord said, you pity that plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? And the book ends. Jonah is part of a move of God and furious about it. How does he get here? How does Jonah become so bitter and angry? Here's a question that I think for me and for, and for you. How can we keep that from happening to us? How can we keep our hearts from becoming bitter towards God, angry towards God, so that if God wants to partner with us and use us to be a blessing to the world, even with people that we may disagree with, even with people we may not like, how can we keep from being Jonah? The title of, of, of today's sermon, if you're into sermon titles, is Don't Be Like Jonah. All right? How can we keep from doing this, from, from becoming bitter and angry? Because, listen to me, listen to me. One of the things we say all the time in this church is that the only hope Hazard has is Jesus. Hello? Anybody? The only hope that Eastern Kentucky has, the only hope that the world has is Jesus. We say that all the time, don't we? Right? Right? Sounds like five of us say that. Five of us say that all the time in this church. All right? That the only hope that Hazard in the world has is Jesus. Can I get you to think about something for a second? I want you to think about something. Track with this. Watch this. Jonah runs from God. Jonah directly sends a storm. Then Jonah directly sends a, then God, God rather sends a storm. Then God directly sends a fish at the end of chapter 1. In this chapter, in verse 6, God directly, God directly in, verse, uh, in verse 4, God directly causes a plant to grow. In verse 7, God directly sends a worm to attack that plant. Verse 8, God directly sends a scorching east wind onto Jonah. It uses the word appointed through Three times God directly is involved in all of those he's not working through anything else he sends the storm the fish the plant the worm and the wind God is directly involved in all of that but when God wanted to tell Nineveh that he loved them God did that through a person Listen, God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. And listen, God can tell people who are lost. God can give them dreams. God can give them visions. God can speak to people. That's the exception, not the rule. The norm seems to be that when God wants to tell people that, that he loves them, that God uses other people to tell other people. When God wants to tell somebody that they can be forgiven, when God wants to tell somebody that Jesus is their only hope, the way that God gets that message out is through other people. So if the only hope that Hazard has is Jesus, summit, who is going to tell them? 
If the only hope that the world has is Jesus, who's going to tell them? Oh, well, preachers will. Wrong. The church will. This is in the Bible. Look at this. It's going to be on the screen here. Romans chapter 12, and I mean Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Romans 10, 14. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him unless they've never heard of him? And watch this. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Romans 10, 14. How can this world, how can our community hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them? And so God wants to partner with us as a people. How can we keep, though, prevent happening to Jonah, happening to us, what happened to Jonah? Well, a couple of things that happened to Jonah that we want to avoid. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. First, when we look at the prophet Jonah, Jonah's outer life and inner life were disconnected. Jonah's outer life and inner life were were disconnected. Jonah preached about the forgiveness of God, but he didn't want them to be forgiven. Jonah talked about how Nineveh needed to change, but he didn't want to change himself. He, he talked to them about their sins. He didn't want to deal with his own sins. Jonah, if you will, was a walking contradiction. He was one way on the outside, and he was different on the inside. And as we think about that, we need to just ask ourselves the very same question. Are we the same on the inside as we are on the outside? Are we the same on the inside as we are on the outside? Because listen, it's easy to put up a front, isn't it? It's easy to put up a front. It's easy to wear a mask. It's easy to pretend in front of people like at church that we're one way when on the inside we and God know that we're completely different. That's not where we are. Even though we're trying to pretend this is how good it is and how we are, we know on the inside that's not where we are. It's easier to judge other people for their sins and see the sins in other people than it is to see our own sins. Hello? It's easy to tell everybody else about the problems they got instead of dealing with our own problems, isn't it? But here's what ought to happen. The deeper that we go in the gospel means the deeper we ought to go in humility so that I can see the problem isn't so much maybe other people. I am a part of the problem. And I need to deal with my own sins. And the deeper I go in the gospel, the deeper I can go in humility so that I can deal with my own sins, baggage, my past, wounds, things that have happened to me so that I can begin to deal with what's on the inside so that my outside and inside begin to line up. And when you look at Jonah... One of the things that seemed to be going on in, in Jonah's life is that Jonah hated the people of Nineveh for being Ninevites. You can think about it. Jonah probably grew up and his parents and his grandparents and his family members probably said things about the Ninevites, how different they were. Maybe their skin color was different. Maybe they just talked different. Maybe they acted Different and, and, and Jonah just grew up in a culture where people looked down on the Ninevites and Jonah, apparently from the book of Jonah, Jonah didn't even realize the racism and the prejudice that was in his own heart. And so God is bringing it out at the main end. And can I just say that the church of Jesus in the world today needs to deal with those issues racism and sexism that are in the church today. Hello? I mean, I've heard people say it. Maybe you've heard it said too. Most segregated hour in the world in 2019, in the world today, most segregated hour in the world, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. Right? Hello? Anybody? Can we, talk to, can we talk this way this morning? It gets tense. The 930 got real tense. I thought some people were going to pass out. It got real tense at 930. We're going to handle it together though. 
But the church has got to talk about this and deal with our sin because, listen, I'm talking the church of Jesus, the church of Jesus in the world. We've got to just come to a place and say that there is no place for racism in the church of Jesus Christ. That it is anti-Christ, it is demonic, it is satanic, and we need to repent of it, turn from it, and, and love people regardless of how they look and regardless of what their skin color is. Not only that, but the church needs to repent of sexism. That women are treated differently or women are told that there's certain things in the church they can or cannot do just by nature of them being a woman or that men are better than women. The church needs to repent of that. It is satanic, it is demonic, and it is not of Jesus. All people are made in the image of God. Hello? And anywhere that the church sees this, the church has got to turn from it. The church needs to repent. So we got to ask ourselves, as we're asking this question, are we the same on the inside as we are on the outside? Do you got any Ninevites? People who are different than you. They don't look like you. They don't talk like you. They don't act like you. They don't think like you. And because they are different, therefore, you don't like them. They're the other they're bad simply because they're different, right? And the church needs to watch for this in every single way. This is true of one political party versus another political party. Amen? Right? Listen, we need to be careful of language that says one political party has God and the other one does not. That our party is the party of God. we got to be real careful with that language. Listen to me. There is a reason that when Jesus was alive, the Pharisees hated him, the Sadducees hated him, all the political leaders on every side of the aisle hated Jesus, and the only thing they could agree with is we ought to kill that guy. Conservatives hated him, liberals hated him, progressives hated him. Listen, if Jesus Christ were alive and walking around in 2019, Fox News and MSNBC could agree on, we don't like that guy. Hello? And what the world needs to see, Jesus says the only way that the world's going to know where Jesus' disciples is by what? How many people come to our church on Sunday? Amen. The kind of services that we have how big our buildings are no jesus says the only way that people will know what we're his disciples is our love for one another amen listen the church ought to have cornered the market on love hello the world is desperate for it look at how divided the world is and the world ought to look at the church and the church ought to say listen no matter what your skin color is we love you because you're made in the image of god no matter where you're from you're loved you're made in the image of god no matter who you are no matter what side of the aisle you're on we love you you're made in the image of god this is true also for the way that we talk and think about people who deal with same-sex attraction and when you talk that way in church, people get really uncomfortable. Well, Mark, we don't want to compromise the truth. Mark, we don't want to compromise the truth. Listen to me. Of course we don't want to compromise the truth, but Summit Jesus was full of grace and truth. Do you see some of the people Jesus hung out with? You can talk to people about truth and their sin and love them at the same time. If my love for Jesus says I can't love you because you're different than me, something is wrong with my love for Jesus. And I might need to check whether I love him at all. Hello? So we got to just ask this question. Are we the same on the inside as we are on the, on the outside? Jonah was not, and, and, and God wants to deal with him there. Also, another thing with Jonah is Jonah was too caught up in his own world to worry about anybody else. 
Jonah was too caught up in his own world to worry about anybody else. Look at verse 6 again in chapter 4. The Lord God appointed a plant, made it come up over Jonah to give him some shade over his head to save him from discomfort. Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant, but when dawn came the next day, God sent a worm that attacked the plant and it, and it withered. So God gives Jonah a plant, plant rises up real tall, gives Jonah some shade. The next day, God sends a worm. God kills that plant through the worm, takes the shade away. Jonah loses his ever-loving mind, right? He is furious that his shade, his shade is gone. He's hot. He forgot to bring sunscreen that day, right? He's just so upset that God would do something about his shade. Listen, Jonah didn't have any emotions about the Ninevites. He didn't care. God, where's my shade? God says, what about the 120,000 Ninevites? I don't care. I don't care, about the, I don't care about the Ninevites. I'm worried about my own deal. Listen, Jonah really, 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 really loved Jonah. Who do you love? Who do we love? Now, we're at church. We're supposed to say Jesus, right? Jesus, right? That's what the answer is. I love Jesus, right? That's what we do on Sundays. But here's the deal. If we really love Jesus... The great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your what? Love your what? Lo love your what? Your neighbor. And who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is everybody. It doesn't matter whether they live next to you or around you. Anybody that's breathing, every single person is made in the image of God. They're your neighbor. Jesus loves them. If we love Jesus, we will begin to love what Jesus loves. Jesus loves people. Right? Jesus loves people. But maybe sometimes... The reason we're not on God's mission, God is calling us to be a blessing, serve people, or just whatever, is we're just caught up in our own mission. We're just caught up in our own world. God, listen, I ain't got time to serve nobody this week. I got to get my kids to 5,000 practices, and I got this thing that I got to do at work. Jesus, listen, Jesus, I cannot think about anybody getting saved. The screen on my phone just broke. I'm going to die. I'm going to die right now. You might as well just take me out. Right? I got to get new tires on my car. Listen, Jesus, I can't think about your mission at all because did you see who so-and-so is dating? I mean, Jesus, they just put pictures on Facebook. It's confirmed. Oh, my gosh. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying anything is bad with any of those. But can I just say, listen, if we are too busy for God's mission, we're too busy. Because here's the deal. Being on God's mission is really a posture of your heart. The odds are really good if we were to say to God, God, however you want to use me, I'm in. He's not going to tell all of us quit our jobs and move to another country. Now listen, God could do that. That's his deal. But he's not going to do that for everybody. Probably what God's going to do is simply say this. Hey, listen, as you go to work, listen, there's going to be somebody at your work. I want you just to pray with him today. Hey, listen, when you go to school tomorrow, there's a kid that's going to be sitting at a lunch table by themselves. Why don't you just go sit with them? You really don't have to say anything at all. Hey, there's somebody hungry in town. Why don't you buy them a meal? Hey, hey, here's a I want you to be a blessing to these people. It's as we're going, the posture of our heart says, God, whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of it. I just want to be in on it. And if I don't have time for that, something is wrong. That as I go, Jesus, how do you want to work through me today? But then the whole book ends on this point. This is the worst one. This is the worst one. Because maybe the problem is exactly like Jonah. God's dealing with Jonah, and the whole book lands on the fact that the reason Jonah is running from God is because Jonah just doesn't care. He doesn't care about what happens to these Ninevites. 
And maybe the reason that we don't get on the mission of God, we just consume church services and, and we're consumers of religious goods. We just don't care what happens to the world. We're saved. People that I care about are saved. I'm not really worried about anything else. I love this. 10 and 11. Let's watch it. Let's look at this. If you've got your Bible, just go ahead and look at it. Check this out. 10 and 11 in chapter 4. And the Lord said, you pity the plant? He's talking to Jonah. Jonah, does that break your heart that I took that plant out? Because you didn't labor for it, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night, perished in a night. Now watch this. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? God says this, Jonah, do you care about that plant? Because you didn't plant it. Do you care about that plant? Because you didn't do anything to make it grow. Jonah, I planted that plant. Jonah, I made that grow. And listen, Jonah, I care about that plant, but also, Jonah, I made every one of those Ninevites, and I love all of them. It is my prerogative, Jonah, to love who I want to love. And I love all of those Ninevites. Most Bible scholars believe that when God says they don't know their right hand from their left, God is talking about the children that live in Nineveh. Jonah didn't even care if the kids were rescued from God's judgment. He just wanted them all to go. And God says, Jonah, listen, I care about the moms and the dads and the grandparents. I care about the kids. Look at this. I even care about the cattle. What's that mean? Think about it. This was an agriculturally driven society. So when God talks about cattle, he's talking about the economy in Nineveh. He's talking about money. God is saying, listen, listen Jonah, I don't, really, I don't just want to save the people. I want to save the whole city. I want to change the whole fabric of the city. I care about its economy. I care about education. I care about business. Jonah, I want to change Nineveh in every corner from the ground up. And listen, Jonah, is it okay that I want to do that? Do you care, Jonah, that I want to save all of Nineveh? And look at the next verse. There isn't one. The book just stops right there. It stops with the question, Jonah, do you care? And the Bible never brings that up again. Nowhere in the Bible do we know what happens next. Now, here's what I think. What I think, and, and there are other people who think this as well. What I think is, again, remember, Jonah is the author of the book of Jonah, right? So this is basically Jonah's journal. Jonah is writing this, and just from the mere fact that Jonah wrote this book and put this in here, most people believe that sometime down the road, in one way or another, Jonah ultimately gets the point. Jonah comes on board with God. His heart starts to reflect God's heart. But when this book ends, this book ends with this cliffhanger of, oh my gosh, does Jonah care? And it comes back on you and me to say, oh my gosh, do I? <laughs> oh my gosh, do we, do we care? Or, or do we just worry about, did Mark get us out on time? How, how, how good were the songs? How good was the sermon? Did, did my kids like it? Was the air conditioning on? Do we care? Do we care that right now, right now in Christopher, right now in this neighborhood, the majority of people within walking distance of this church do not care what this church is doing? And not only this one, the majority of people in this town don't go to any church. Hello? Did you realize that, right? You can't throw a rock in Perry County without hitting the church. You know what most people do on Sunday? A lot of stuff, but they don't go to church. They don't go to church. Most people here don't go. Do we care? Do we, do we care about the breakdown of the family? Do we care about, about the next generation? Do we care about the needs of people around us? Do we care? Now, now here's the thing. When you look at the world, there's a lot to care about, isn't it? I mean, my gosh, it's, 
It's overwhelming. And the beautiful thing is, is that God made the church a body. So God gives me passions for things that maybe he doesn't give to you, but he makes you passionate and gifted in areas that he doesn't make me passionate and gifted for. And God gives other people interest. And he gives somebody over here uh, an interest and a desire to, to serve a certain com- a group in the community that maybe he doesn't give to anybody over here because he's given you a vision for something else. And I don't need to get upset that you're not as passionate for my thing as you are, or I'm not, or you don't need to get upset that I'm not as passionate about your thing as I am because the church is a body. God gives to everybody gifts, passions, talents, and abilities. But the question for all of us is, do we care? And if not, could it be that we're running? Could it be that we're just running from God, that Jesus, thank you that you saved me. And people that I know and care about, they're they're saved. But is that it? Do we care about the world? That's the question from God. So I want to challenge our church to do something. In every single seat this morning, it's this card. Would you just go ahead and grab this invite card? Would you just go ahead and grab this right now? Just literally, if this was in your seat, I want you to go ahead and grab it. And, and the reason that I want you to grab this invite card, all right, I want you to grab it so that you can put it in your pocket, so that you can put it in your Bible, your purse, so that you can take it with you. Because I'm challenging you to try to use this this week. Now, here's how I want, here's how I want to challenge you to use it. I want to challenge our church to take this invite card and begin to pray this week and ask the Holy Spirit this question. Holy Spirit, who is this for? Because this is for somebody. Holy Spirit, who is this invite card for? Who, who do you want me to give this to? Maybe, maybe somebody's never been here before. Maybe somebody that used to come there and for some reason or another, now they don't. But Holy Spirit, who is this for? And, and I just believe that as we listen to the voice of God, as we listen to the leading, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God will lead every student and adult who is open, just, just wants to turn their heart towards the mission of God this week. Spirit of God, who's this for? It might be for your lost husband, your lost wife, one of your kids. It might be for a lost co-worker. It might be for a lost uh, somebody that goes to your school. It might be uh, for somebody that uh, you know that lives kind of out of town and you're going to try to invite them on Facebook or send a text, send a picture of it. I don't know what you're going to do. But Holy Spirit, who is this for? Now here's the thing. If everybody does this this week, does that mean that everybody that the Spirit of God leads me to give this to, all of them are going to come to our church next week? No. No. Listen, that's up to God. That's between God and them. Where it comes down for you and I is are we going to be faithful to God's leadership? Hello? That's it. That's it. God can handle everything else. Are you and I, are we going to be faithful to the leadership of God? So many times we do messages like this. We talk about, we talk about positioning our lives to be a blessing to the world, you know, getting on God's mission. One of the ways that we can respond is we can hear it and almost be like Jonah. Oh my gosh, now I gotta go out and share the gospel. Now I gotta go out and tell people about Jesus. Mark just made me feel bad for all this stuff. Telling people about Jesus, I just break out in hives. I start freaking out. I get really nervous. Oh my gosh, I, I don't know what to do here. And, and I had a friend of mine put something on Twitter earlier and it just stuck to me and it just really stands out. He said that if we think that God's mission is a burden rather than a joy, we think about God and all of it wrong. If, if this whole thing of being on God's mission, God, I want to partner with you, use my life as a blessing. If that's just a burden, 
Listen, can I just tell you, it was joy, the book of Hebrews said, that led Jesus to the cross. Jesus in the book of Acts says it's more blessed to give than to receive. He's not just talking about money. He's talking about our whole lives. That Jesus, here is my whole life. Whatever you're doing, I want in. And so right here this morning, we've got some crosses up here in the front. And I want to challenge everybody, if you would, would you just grab your connection card? There is a connection card somewhere around you. On the back of the seat or in your seat, there is this card. Would you grab this card and put your name on it right now? Everybody that would, if you would, grab this card, just your name. Just your name. That's all I'm asking. Just your name on this card. And on the back of this card, I want you to put the name of a person that to the best of your knowledge is not a Christian. They're not a follower of Jesus. Might be a family member, friend, co-worker, somebody you go to school with, or whatever. If you don't know anybody that's lost, put on the back of this card, Jesus, bring somebody into my life that I can make a difference in. But I want to challenge you. Put somebody's name. You can put more than one name, but at least one person's name. And here's what you're doing when you do this. You are making a commitment, to, a commitment before God. God, I'm going to start praying for these people. I'm going to start praying for this person by name that, God, you would save them. And, God, if you want, me, if you want to use me to tell them about you, God, I'm open to it. I'm, I'm, I'm in for it. But, God, I'm going to begin to pray that this person would meet you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, I want to challenge everybody that put a name down to get up out of your seat and come and drop your connection card at one of these two crosses so that our church can begin to pray for these people by name, so that our whole church can begin to pray for these people. So I'm going to pray, and as soon as I say amen, if you wrote a name down, don't hesitate. Just come up, drop your, drop your card down, and when you go back to the seat, start praying for them right then. All right, let's pray. Jesus, right now, you are inviting us to join you. God, what you have done in our lives is amazing. It's beautiful. It, it, is, it is amazing. God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God. And Father, that it's not supposed to stay with us. It's not supposed to end with us. Jesus, you want to partner with us? You want to use us to be a blessing to the world. So Jesus, right now, would you just do whatever it takes so that we can posture our hearts, so that our hearts will turn to say, Jesus, whatever you're doing, I'm in. And so God, right now I pray for people as, as we're writing names on these connection cards. God, we're making a, a, a pact with you. We're, we're covenanting before you today. Jesus, I'm going to begin to pray for these people. Jesus, I want to see these people saved. And God, if you want to use me in their life, I'm open to that. But God, that they would know you. So God, we just commit this to you, Jesus. We want you, we want you to use our lives to be a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. You come right now. You just grab your connection card, bring it up front right now, and just drop it at the foot of one of these two crosses. And when you make it back to your seat, just begin to pray for the people that you wrote down.